thank you guys again so much for being here, watching online. And uh, my name is Terry Pierce. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here for 20 one almost 22 years and um and uh, it's been a joy uh so we're here this morning and we're walking through uh the gospel of luke we do something really radical here we just go verse by verse through the scriptures uh and uh, we're walking through uh this series sermon series called the gospel of luke god's got a plan for your life and so i want you to think through that again listen to me again we believe that god has a plan for every single one of you in the room this morning. And how cool is that to know that God loves you and he cares enough about you to bring you in here to hear the message today. Now, for all of our guests here this morning, did this the first service, we had a full house. And, um, and I know we've, we had a number of first time people here to, uh, in the first service. And so uh, for all of you guys, uh, let me just go ahead and <laughs> clarify something today. It's gonna be a little bit different. Uh, I guarantee you've never heard a preacher say this, Bubba, in your entire life when I'm getting ready to make a statement. You all ready? Today, my sermon is going to be pointless. I let that sink in and I'll go ahead and laugh. Uh, and so I know you're going, and I guarantee you, there's some of you sitting here this morning going, Kevin Owen and, uh, is sitting there back there going, and I've heard a lot of your sermons that were pointless, amen? So I know what you're thinking, uh, sarcastic people in the group. Uh, I know you're saying the same thing, Mark. Uh, and so the truth of the matter is, but let me, cl- let me uh, clarify. What I mean by pointless is, if you know, used to my preaching and stuff, for you note takers, uh, we love to share with you practical steps that we want to help you implement a plan of action but please hear me this morning in my heart what God has done in this message this week is I've been battling the enemy and God would it would just be a difficult week and I've been struggling with the enemy and um, he's, he was winning and I was at a pastor's conference sort of retreat with a guy that's led us in our discipleship movement and I got to meet him personally and hang out with him and some other pastors, uh, Rob Gallaty and, and um, he just poured into us and I'm meeting with the group that I meet with every Thursday and they hold me accountable and it's um, uh, a pastor's sort of discipleship group through this organization Replicate and I've not written the sermon and I'm like frustrated at God, everybody. And I just like, Lord, I'm supposed to be here to relax, unwind, and let your spirit pour into me. And Hector, I can't tell you what happened next. And I wish it happened more often, and I'm hungry for this, I really am. But what happened next? It's Thursday night, I have no sermon done. It's the day I'm already finished. I'm turning in on Friday morning to Tanner for the media people. I write a manuscript sermon out. And all I know is what happened next is I began to type and things came out of me and I wrote this sermon in just a couple of hours and had no points and I'm like, God, we can't do a Baptist church without, you know, three points in a poem. You have to be preacher school. And God said, I don't care what you were trained in seminary. This is my people and I love them and I've given you a direct line for this Sunday. Shut up and type. And so this morning, all I got is what he gave me. I'm totally uncomfortable. I don't know how it's going to come out, but all I know is God loves you all. And he has a word for you all today, and it's going to be pointless. So I need you all to just sort of settle in, and I'm going to tell God's story out of this text that we're going to look at here in a minute this morning. And I'm going to tell you at the front, and here's what I need you all to do. And again, this is not my normal mode of preaching, and it's not what we're trained to do. But I need you all to pay attention to this. I need you to ask yourself, as we tell the story this morning, who are you? Maybe no greater question has ever been asked to you in a long time. Who are you? Who are you in this story? So you're sitting here this morning, you're going, well, the pastor is nuts. And he's weird, okay? But 
cool, bro. I'm glad God's speaking into your life, but he's not in mine. All I know is that I've been through such a dark season in my life. God's not been speaking. I'm lonely. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. And why in the world, and your question before me that you just want to shout out, I don't care about all this other stuff you're talking about, God's speaking, whatever. All I know is why is the Christian life so hard? Thank you for asking. Because you want to know the answer? You don't want to know the answer, but I'm getting ready to tell you. You ready? Write this down. It's not in the screens. We're going to, you know, Chris has no idea where I'm going and neither do I. Uh, so good luck and hang on, big boy. But here's the thing. Uh, I need you to get this down. The reason you are struggling, the reason you are discouraged, the reason you're frustrated with me, God, and everybody else is because you have an evil problem and so do I. We all are cursed by evil. Your kids, your marriage, you're going, yeah, I get that. Uh, your, uh, your life, the church, we're all cursed by evil. What I want to share with you this morning, we're going to go ahead and jump ahead here, Chris, so get ready. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. We're going to look into the Gospel of Luke chapter 13, and I want to share with you today that God has the solution to the problem of evil. Are you ready for that? God has a solution to the problem of evil. And again, you write it down because we're not going to have any points, but just so this is it. Uh, but here's what I want to walk you through, a little biblical history this morning to make the case about how cursed with evil we all are. When you go back, and so you need to get this reference down. I love history. So we go all the way back to the days of Moses and the nation of Israel. There was no greater evil that has perhaps uh, perpetrated itself upon planet earth is that when the Egyptians took the Jewish people and they took them captive and they made slaves out of them and they beat them down and an entire group and race of people was being murdered and, and beaten down to build pyramids. Historically, unarguable. This is not just made up Bible stuff. This is history. And God says enough is enough. You remember who the solution is to all evil. And he raises up a man, a man who is a murderer and a liar by the name of Moses. And he says, Moses, you're going to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage and they, and they march to the Red Sea. So oh, Moses is like, you know, I don't want to do this. And the people of Israel are like, we don't trust this guy. You know, we know his story. You know, he's a loser. And so Moses leads them to the Red Sea. And you all know what happens next. If you watch the movie, Charlton Heston, I mean uh, Moses, and he parts the Red Sea. God does. And all of a sudden he puts a staff there. And the people walk across on dry land. And the, and the Egyptians are, you know, are drowned and all that. You all know the story. Now, think with me this morning. Let's put ourselves in the context of this. If you're the nation of Israel, you walk over, uh, through the Red Sea. You just watched your mortal enemy die. I think you're pretty well buying in to oh, Mo. That's the hip, cool version of Moses. You get it? Mo. See, I can't be cool. Anyway, so, so Mo, uh, he's like, you know, he's now the new leader. He's uh, leading the nation of Israel through this. And do you know what the people do after about a month? This is crazy town. Drives me nuts. And Sonny in leadership. The people go, you know what? Oh, we need a new leader. Oh, Mo's out. One month, maybe two, after him parting the Red Sea by God's help, they're like, this dude is so led us into this place where all we've got to eat is manna from heaven. They were so Baptist. We've got this fruit from heaven, but we're tired of it. We want something different. And they get so disillusioned just after a couple of months that Kevin, they're backbiting and complaining and saying, out with Mo. And if we can't get rid of him, we would have been better off to stay in slavery. You're going, you guys are nuts. 
Why, how would you allow yourself to look at the negative and not see because you don't have something shiny happening in your life that you automatically go back and become that critical and then you got to stop and think. Do we not do the same thing? Oh, by the way, it gets worse. So M Moses goes up into the mountain to hear from God. Wouldn't you want your leader to hear from God? And while he's up in the mountain chop listening for God, y'all know what they do after a few days, Granny? You've taught her for 100 years in Sunday school. She's really not 194. Uh, and, and so, uh, and, and you've, you've, you've went through that, and you remember what happens. We're talking days. They won't wait on the Word of God to come down from the mountain. And so what do they do? They say, enough of Mo. Let's go get Aaron, the high priest. And let's get a new leader. Or if you've watched YouTube videos, it's not Aaron, it's A-Aaron. Okay. Anyway. So, <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that. But anyway, and so you've got, you've got Aaron now. And what does the priest do? He gives the people what they want. They make a golden calf and literally worship an idol and turn their back in a few days because they won't wait on the word of God to come down to them. Now, are you with me? These people are morons. I mean, these people are so ridiculous. And now we ask the question, look at me. What's the difference between them and us? You look at American history, and you look at us, and what God has done, and let me ask you the question. When you watch people run away from this revival called America and turn their backs that we don't want God anything to do with us publicly, but what about the church? We're watching, what is it, 100 plus churches close their doors every week in this land because we've run away from the blesser. What about in your home? How many people are running away from God in your home because you're just struggle season and so you quit worshiping him and honoring him and your devotions? What about in your heart? Are you like the nation of Israel where all you see is everybody else's problems but you're just, you know, you got it going on and so what do you do is, you know, I just can't go hang out with God's people and I can't worship God because all these nasty people but, you know, I'm better than you all. We're going to get there in the text. But, you know, it's just not ancient Bible history. We go by a little bit newer times. There was a king by the name of David and David uh, is, has his son Solomon. Uh, God leads his son Solomon to build the temple of God. And so this is all, you notice what I'm making the case for, guys. I, I, I'm, I'm making the biblical historical case for how evil continually battles us. And we keep losing this battle to evil. And so David and his son build the temple of God and everything's great and the nation of Israel is worshiping God. And I mean, it's just, they've never had a temple to worship in. I'm telling you, it goes, it gets crazy. David dances before the Lord. He couldn't have been a Baptist king or preacher because he danced. Uh, and so he's going to hell. Uh, and so anyway, and so David dances before the Lord and, and all this is going on. And you know what happens? Within a few years after David's death, the whole country plummishes into total darkness they literally would begin to tear down the temple and turn it into idols and worship that. It's nuts. And by the time we get a few centuries into after David's death, James, the entire nation of Israel is plunged into idolatry and God has to send the Babylonians in to wipe them out because they've literally forgotten God. Evil. Evil exists. Can I... Let's make it newer. What about the 12 disciples? What about the 12 disciples? They walk with Jesus for three and a half years every day. Some women and Jesus walking and hanging out for three and a half years. 
Watch the chosen. All right, anyway, and so they, uh, they've walked with Jesus. They've literally hung out with Jesus for three and a half years. And when push comes to shove, at the moment they needed him the most, Danny, what do they do? We don't know who he is. Oh, by the way, there's one by preacher by the name of Peter. Lead disciple. He lies not once, not twice. Oh, yeah, we're going there. Three times to a little girl that he doesn't even know who Jesus is. The future founder of our church, the church, lies three times about knowing Jesus. And I said all of that to say evil is a problem. Evil is a problem in your life and in my life historically, biblically, and in the church, dare I say it, today, your home and your heart. And the first acknowledgement that we have to have this morning is to understand that evil exists in you. Listen to me this morning. I can't, go, I can't help you out. God cannot help you out anymore with the rest of this message today if we don't own the fact that evil potentially exists in all of our lives. And so now the sin curse of evil is inside of every one of you and me. Okay, y'all ready to go home? Well, that was so uplifting. Thank you for that word. I've got good news. Don't leave yet. You ready this morning? Here's what we're going to find out in Luke chapter 13, and this is good. Do you know what the solution to the problem of evil in all of our hearts, in all y'all, his name is Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. Jesus, amen? Jesus is a solution. And by the way, here's the really cool part of this. Y'all ready? Let's do a little preachy time here. Here's the thing. You need to know that all of those stories that I just intentionally and purposely told you about, from the days of Moses to the present, uh, Peter, all the rest of it, every one of those stories is about an idolater. It is about uh, an adulterer. It is about liars. It is about, and when we look at all those people, if we were to use our version of the way we judge people, what would we say about all these people that I just told a story about? The nation of Israel, Peter, all the rest of them. We would say, the way I grew up, man, I'm telling you what, those people are going to be friars. Man, God's going to judge them and they're going to wipe them out. But all we have missed the New Testament understanding of Christianity. You know what he does? Listen to me. He takes all those idolaters those adulterers, those liars, those, those the people that quit. And guess what he does? He raised up every single one of them. And you and I are here today because that great liar, Peter, he preached and he led the New Testament church to have the greatest revival of all time. And you and I are here today because Jesus is the solution to the problem of evil. Isn't that good? And so this morning, we're going to see how Jesus takes our failures and he turns them against the enemy and he shows us the way out. The problem of evil, and let me nail this down because if I, I can't help you guys overcome this until we own this. The problem of evil is a pride problem. Someone has said, again, we don't have any points, but write this one down. Pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick, oh, this is good, except the one who has it. And that money, all the rest of us are casualties of the person, or when we're prideful, we cause pain for everybody else but ourselves because we're just about us, about us, about us. That is so good. What a great truth. All right, let me give you a little lighthearted illustration of this, and then we're going to Take the text, and, and I believe God's going to speak into you. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit about pride and how we've got blind spots in all of our lives. Lady comes to the pastor, and she says, Matt, Pastor, I need counseling. I'm really struggling with sin in my life. And the pastor says, sure, come on in. And, uh, you know, what can I help you with? <laughs> So she comes into the pastor's office. It's a true story, by the way. She comes into the pastor's office and she says, Pastor, 
She goes, my sin curse is that when I come to our church, and I know we have a large church, but when I look around at all the other women in the church, I'm just so much more beautiful than they are. True story. She really says this in the pastor's office, Mike. And she looks at it and she goes, yes. She goes, you look. And she started naming off all the women. And she goes, anybody you can think of. I look at them and I go, I'm prettier than they are. I'm prettier than they are. You know, and she really, she said, and I know it's a curse, but I honestly just believe that I'm better looking than all the other women in the church. And pastor, what should I do with this? So the pastor, pretty quick on his feet, not like me, and, uh, and he's thinking, you have, and here's the backstory out of this. She wasn't the prettiest woman in the church. He will tell you, she was ugly. I, I mean, I'm not talking about ugly, I'm talking about ugly. Her face would stop a clock. You, you'll get where I'm going with this. Anyway, and, and so, so, everybody, so everybody knows that, but she just really believes that she's got it going on. <laughs> And so, and so the pastor, quick on his feet, she says one more time to him, Pastor, what do I do with this sin curse that I'm just the most beautiful woman <laughs> in the church? And he looks at her, and without hesitation, he looks at her and he goes, Listen, sis, you don't have a sin problem. You've just made a total mistake. Uh, and so the truth of the matter is, is that we've all got blind spots into our life. What we think is a big deal may not be the big deal that we think it is because we're full of ourselves. And so pride becomes an issue. And so in the text this morning, while in the synagogue in Luke chapter 13, this new rabbi by the name of Jesus begins to teach on the Sabbath. And there's going to be three groups of people. Remember how we began the message? Who are you in the text? Three groups of people. The three groups are this woman who is literally, physically battling evil for 18 years. We're going to read about her in a second. You've got the Pharisees who are judgmental. They're looking to question everything Jesus says. Pride. Number three is just the average Joe. Please look at me. The average Joe sitting in the temple that day who works his backside off and goes to work. The average lady helps take care of her family and they just need hope and they need help and they're going to decide are they going to follow the old way of teaching? Are they going to listen to the words of Jesus? So I'm going to ask you again this morning. You hear me? Who are you in the story? The solution to the problem of evil always has been, Mark, Jesus. Jesus. This morning, would you look with me in the text? Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Y'all getting that? She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Remember, I want you to go back, I'm sorry. When it says disabling spirit, when you study the Greek, this is not talking about a, just a physical limitation grant. This is a spiritual war that an enemy, the enemy, has perpetrated physically upon her. It's important. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. All right, all you physical therapy people, we're going we're gonna to get to you guys in a minute. So when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he s laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Makes sense. But notice what happens next. Don't go to sleep on me. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant, this is the other rabbi in the room, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, now, you got to get this in context. I really believe he said it in this tone. There are six days in which we will, work ought to be done. Come on, on those days, and be healed. But not... On the Sabbath day. That's how they talked in Jewish. Okay. <laughs> then 
the Lord answered him. Y'all ready for this? Uh, all right. He, Jesus answers him, you hypocrites. Jesus, just so you know, was not Southern. He was not polite, and uh, he just simply shouts out, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath unite, I'm, I'm sorry, untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, one of your own flesh and blood, basically paraphrase morons, whom Satan bound for 18 years, should she not be loosed from the bond on the, and he put in quotes, I'm pretty sure it's in the original Greek, air quotes, on the Sabbath day. And as he said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced, remember who you are, at the glorious things that were done by him. Probably won't get to this, but I don't want to get to it next week because we've got a whole other direction. But here's a piece of the story. So Jesus began to teach. And he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and what shall I compare it to? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and he grew it and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in his branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? That's what we're going to talk to you about next week. It is like leaven uh, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. What a difference Jesus makes. He is the solution to all the problems of evil. Let me remind you again, who are you in the story. Do you all get this? This is the narrative that we're unpacking for you this morning. Number one, are you here this morning and you are bent over? Not maybe necessarily physically, but for whatever reason, physically, emotionally, um, uh, mentally, uh, financially, the enemy, the evil in this world that exists within all of us has so left you dry thirsty, and, and, and at your lowest point, maybe you've ever been in your life, and you're struggling with the battle with the enemy, and you're like this lady who for 18 years has been battling the enemy and losing every day. You getting this? The hypocrites are in the room. Pharisees are too busy being critical of Jesus that they miss out on the miracle revival that is happening in their midst and they don't, not only do they not see it, they become critical of it and totally reject the move of God and miss out. Or maybe you're part of the crowd and you're waffling between what God is doing in the revival and connect church in your life and other people around you and you got to decide, am I going to hang on to what I was taught? Am I going to hang on to my hypocrite background? Am I going to hang because I just can't see it? Or am I going to choose that, you know what, which way am I going to go? Well, this is the way we did church. This is the way I was raised. Are you going to go with what the movement of the New Testament Christianity and Jesus is doing in our very midst? Which way are you going to choose to become a fan of? And I'm glad to say that the multitude went with Jesus that day. So my question is, who are you going to be? Which group are you in this story? Now, can I give you a little theological reference for this? Here's the difference that Jesus makes, and this is so good. Dr. Charles Swindoll, here's what he says in his commentary about this text, and he's so on point with what I'm preaching to you. This is holy ground stuff. All right, Chris, you with me? Let's put it up there, baby. And here's what he says about this. This is good. He says, God made oh, the problem of evil. God, listen, let me finish. God made the problem of evil his own. His own personal problem. Do you understand what Charles is saying here? You see, 
You need to know this morning that evil exists in every single one of us. Are you getting that? Do you know who God is? God is holy. God is good. God has never sinned. Are you with me this morning? You're Baptist people, you believe this conservative church? Are you with me this morning? Amen? Yet God so loved you and I. We just sang about it, Alan and Courtney. God so loved us that he sent his son. He took our personal problem and made it his own to the point, James, that he would send his son to redeem you, you, and you, and you. I, I, listen to me this morning. I don't love you. I love being the pastor of this church. I am blown away that you all put up with me for 21 years and that you would allow me to even occupy this stage is beyond my comprehension. And honestly, I love living here. I love being your shepherd. But I got news for you. I got three sons, and I would not give them for one second to die for you. But God did. But God did. Everybody ought to be shouting amen. He made your personal failures in evil. He made it his own. What a lesson. And now, by sending his son to suffer what we should suffer, to die the death that we deserve, and to conquer what had defeated us, what had defeated us, what had defeated us, what had defeated us, the evil that exists inside of all of us. The battle with evil, sin, and death. And so this morning, honestly, if I really did what I should do right now, is I would ask Tanner to come up on stage, and I would ask him to begin to sing. And we would begin to worship and say, how great is our God. How great is our God that he would love us that much. Are you with me this morning? Here's what Dr. Darrell Bach, he's one of my favorite New Testament scholars, had a chance to study under him a little bit in seminary, and here's what he says about this text, and he nails it. He says, this is the theological position that we've got to get down this morning. A cosmic struggle is going on between Satan and Jesus, and we are just the, the effects of that, and we have to decide who are we in this story. Maybe it's time that we quit getting angry, listen to me this morning, at all the wrong people and things in our life that are going the wrong way. You know what happened in the nation? You remember what I just told you? What happened in all those stories historically? The people got mad at the leadership. The people got mad at their friends and family. They didn't stand with them. They didn't understand why they were going through difficulties from Peter, the nation of Israel, uh, back in Moses' day, and, and all the way to the present. What we do is we get angry with each other. We become critical of one another. We even question the church. We question preachers. We question everything going on in our life because lo and behold, look at me this morning, the problem could not possibly be me. The problem is that evil exists in every one of you and you're blaming all the wrong people and things in your life. It's a cosmic battle that's been going on for generations. But notice what happens in the text. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said unto her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. When Jesus saw her, Rather than judging her, he laid hands on her, and instantly she was restored back to the glory of God created her to be. The solution in your problem with evil and mine is always Jesus. Are you getting this? Could you imagine? Now listen, this is how some of us do. Could you imagine Jesus inviting you into a revival movement in your church 
and you choosing to say, what if the woman looked at Jesus and said, yeah, you know, I, I've heard some stories about you. You've got some women that follow you. And, you know, I'm not sure that you really measure up to what we've been taught in the legalistic standards. So I'm not buying into you. Could you imagine the woman if she did that? Dan, with all the physical stuff you've been going through, you, you would be thinking, you're nuts, lady, man. Go to the one that can help you and get some relief. But how many times do we sit in God's house and watch a revival movement go on and we reject the very thing that he's offering to help heal us with? You would go, she's nuts, but she didn't do this. She found instant relief, Lindsay, that day. She didn't have to go to her physical therapist or a doctor. Uh, and, and by the way, you know she'd been trying everything, don't you? You know, she, I don't know if they had uh, physical therapists back in the day, but it wasn't working. She's still been over. I don't know if they had Oxycontin or Parasquat. What is the other one? Not Parasquat. That's a, isn't that, isn't that a point? What is it? Percocet. Y'all know druggies over here. All right. <laughs> And so, uh, get off the drugs. All right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, just kidding, sort of. All right, uh, so, so we've got, uh, you know, she didn't have Oxycontin or Parasquam or whatever it is. Uh, and, uh, and she didn't have the drugs, all right? She didn't have uh, those things to give her relief. All right, let's just not pick on the druggies over here, you know, because they're pharmaceutical, it's okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, uh, so, let's talk to the rest of the rednecks in the room. You're going, yeah, man, I've been hurting, so, man, I ain't going to do them no drugs like, you know, ladies at Connect Church, but, uh, and so, <laughs> and so, so what, what, what I do, man, I'll tell you what, you get me a good old bottle of Jack Daniels, and uh, I'll go down to the cannabis store, because it's legal now. Anyway, I'm just kidding. All right, so, anyway, so I got the rest of y'all going, dude, y'all, you quit meddling, don't preach on that, man. All right, anyway, uh, so we, we do all these remedies in our life to relieve the pain. Y'all laugh at me, but it's true. And all the while, you all are doing stuff to relieve your hurts. And I'm just kidding, but I'm serious. And all the while, the solution to your real problem is you're battling the enemy. And we got to go to Jesus. He may lead us, and he will, to get counseling and resources and all those things. But I'm telling you, when Jesus begins to speak into your life, he is the only one that can help you win this battle with evil. Are you with me this morning? Now, let me talk to you guys real quickly about the other group, number two in the group in the room. And the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they stand up and they speak in the synagogue. And the word that's used here in the original text when he talks about degrading Jesus and the kindness that he did because Jesus healed the lady on the Sabbath. The translation is work. So listen to me this morning for all of you that are legalists and hypocrites in the room. He takes a technical part of the law and says, technically what you did is work on the Sabbath, and so thereby you violated. Now look in the text, and the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. And so what he says is, is, he said, you're so worried about the technical part of the law. And he accuses, now get this, he accuses Jesus of basically being a liar and, 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 and violating the law. And, and how dare he do that, Grant, when Jesus wrote the law? You get it? He accuses Jesus of violating the law, so therefore we're not going to listen to you because you... In my estimation, and my self-absorbed estimation, made a mistake. Therefore, all you people need to leave. And what did the crowd do? They go, no, 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 not on your life, buddy. We're tired of listening to your hypocrisy and your pride and your arrogancy. And we're going to follow the one who shows us love and compassion. And they chose to go and follow Jesus. Now, the real problem with the hypocrite, hear me this morning, is that we don't acknowledge the own spiritual warfare going on in his own life. He had the problem, and he was losing because he was unwilling to listen to Jesus as the solution to his pride problem and his fears. Let me sort of wrap all this up. This is so important. Please. Don't miss this. I believe this is the moment that God has for you. 
Who are you in the story? Who are you in the story? At Christmas um, this past year, you know, when it was 45 degrees below zero and we were dying, uh, all three of my boys, they live, two of them live uh, in other parts of the country, and they all came in with our grandkids. And because it was so cold, we moved everything inside and we emptied out our garage and I bought an indoor trampoline because this is what grandparents do for your grandkids. And so we bought this indoor trampoline and uh, we put it up in the house and, and um, you know, and, and by the way, uh, this, is, this is really a great day in your life. My three sons walk in and they see, we've got, we got like five or six stations set up in our garage. It was like literally, you can't see it in the picture, but you went from one station just like a daycare because this is what you do when you're a grandparent, amen, James? And so you do this stuff. And so my boys walk in and they're all mad. And they're going, who are you? We grew up in the poor preacher's home. We, uh, mom made us eat, what was it, FMV for maximum, it was supposed to be for maximum value. They always called it for maximum, uh, for, for maximum vomiting. And uh, we had to eat all of this poor food. We had to eat all this stuff. We never got toys. We always were told we didn't have any money. And you literally throw out money like it's coming out of everywhere for the grandkids. What's up with that? And I just look at them and go, because we like them. So, and that's true. And so, um, but here's the point. Is, uh, you see this picture in the kids, little Matt, Matt, be with him and his daddy next weekend. His daddy's getting ordained, pretty cool. And, uh, but when you see the grandkids in the thing and see Nana be up there having the time of her life, what you don't see is little Owen in the very background over there, little Parker down here, but Owen in the background, and that's Andrew's youngest son, and before he got in there, here's the story. Oh, here he. Little Owen comes around, and all the other cousins are in there with not a bee. And Owen comes around to the blue steps. Y'all see on the blue steps? And he tries to get up the blue steps on his own. And Owen's like his Uncle Aaron. He's afraid of going this high off the ground. So Owen freaks out, and he takes about two steps, and he goes down. He hears... All of his cousins having the ball and the time of their life inside there. His, even his arch nemesis, his sister Nora, uh, he's, uh, he sees them all playing in there. But Owen's not going up that blue step. So Owen does what many of us do is he goes to all the other stations. There's all these other shiny things to do, and he's got to go to the new thing. So Owen just kept, Kevin, he just keeps going around to all the other stuff. And it's breaking my heart because I'm watching my grandson miss out on hanging out with this fellowship of his own cousins, miss out on being in there with Nana B. And the whole time he keeps going around to all this other stuff. And I watch him, Tony, and you could tell that he's trying to put on a good face. He's trying to be happy, but he's alone. And I'm sitting there watching the whole time. Buddy, get in there. Man, and you could just tell finally, after entertaining himself the best he could, he knew it wasn't working. Down deep, you could see there was no joy in playing by himself with all the other shiny stuff going along around him. Eventually, it doesn't satisfy you. And then his daddy, Andrew, comes and picks him up, and I was so glad. And he takes his son and puts him on the blue steps. And Owen again pulls back. Now, fear, fear, fear of owning up his own personal struggle that he won't admit. And finally, he lets his daddy walk him up the stairs, Ernie. And his daddy gets him inside. And when he gets inside of that playground, Lee, he literally has the time of his life and becomes the star inside of that room. And you want to know why? Because he was in fellowship. He was hanging out with his own kind. He was enjoying the fun that he'd been missing out on by doing his own thing and by hanging out by himself. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not careful, you're going to miss out. And, and the enemy and the evil one is going to tell you, you know what? I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to run away from the church. I'm going to run away from discipleship. I'm going to run away from the fellowship that God has planned for me. Because you know what? I know better than all you all. And the problem is, is you've got evil inside of you and you don't even see it. What he was missing out on 
his fear was ruining his little life. And he didn't see it until his daddy helped him. I want to tell you what Jesus taught next. But I just feel led to stop the sermon right here. We'll cover that some other time. Because I really sense that what God is saying into your lives and mine is he's saying to you and I, who are you in this story? I got a text this week about the revival that's going on here at Connect Church again. And let me ask you this morning, I could tell you this morning about the fact that God is using, this is the mustard seed and all that stuff. Kevin Tudor's leaving with my brother and he's going to Cuba this week because the mustard seed, when you have faith in a church, it becomes a tree that blesses everybody. And out of this church, we got folks that are gonna be going into Cuba this week to help rebuild a seminary. Four weeks from now, Tanner's gonna lead a team of people from this church 10 people are going to go to Japan and help a church plant in Japan. Who would have ever dreamed that out of little old two below Mississippi that a revival would move, that would change the lives of destitute people in Cuba, help start a gospel preaching church in Japan? Those are just half the stories, but it's also about you. We have been going through a month where God has brought another wave of revival to this church. People coming literally every Sunday and making decisions, even when we're not in, having the altar call, people have been saved this month. We've baptized people, had another one that was supposed to happen this morning. We'll do it again next week. We're watching four families join the church last Sunday. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, when churches around the country are dying, there is a movement going on in your all's hearts and your all's lives. And let me ask you, where are you in the movement? Where are you? in the movement of God. Have you missed it? You wanna be a part of it? A lady texted me this week and she said, uh, and this, I got like half a dozen texts like this. And so I just picked out one. And here's what she said. She says, um, just a note, Pastor Terry, how much we've fallen in love with church again. God is so good. The messages you've brought every week this month we've been at Connect, have hit us directly. I love how God works that out. And we love our Connect group. They joined a small group. And they took us right in and they made us feel like the family of God in January. We feel God's presence like never before. And by the way, they've been in church most of their lives. And she said, I love how the fact that being his, you being his servant is helping us so much. And I appreciate what her words were, but I wrote her back this, and I let her know it's not about me. This is God moving. And so this is what I wrote her back. And I said, this is so exciting. I can't wait to see what God does in your lives next. But be ready. Now hear me this morning. Be ready because the enemy's coming after you. When you make a move, when you make a move, to confront the evil that exists in your heart. The enemy's gonna unleash all hell on you, but know this, we're gonna be there with you every step of the way. You don't have to do this alone. Jesus and his church are the solution to the problems you're facing. And here's what she says. It's on the screen. That's what we need. You got it for me, Chris? Here we go. She texts back and says, that's what we need. Godly people to help hold us accountable. Discipleship. He is steadily after us every day. Can you relate? But we are clinging to God's word and each other. You don't do this alone. Remember Owen? Remember Owen? You need these people. You need God. She goes on to say, God is using you to bring me to tears every service. And we look forward to our future at Connect. Where's your future at? Where's your future at? What is God trying to bring into your life? And we'll be thankful to you all. I believe this lady is getting it. 
I believe that God has restored the evil that she's been struggling with herself. She's confessed it and God's healed her. Now let me ask you this morning, who are you in the story? Who are you in the story, church? You're just here this morning. Would you stand with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Tanner, I do want to sing a verse of invitation on this one. I'm sorry, dude. But before Tanner sings a verse of invitation, just one verse, let me ask you, church, this morning, who are you in the story? Are you the woman that's just broken by the, the evil oppression that Satan's brought into your life? Maybe it's physical, maybe it's not. But this morning, who are you? And Jesus is speaking to you that are broken by your sin. And he's saying, come in. Let me heal you this morning. We're going to invite you to come to an old-fashioned altar and allow counselors to pray with you. Guys, it is time that you quit carrying the burden of your past and let it go to Jesus. But maybe some of you are here this morning. And honestly, if you're honest, you're not probably good at it. But you're a Pharisee and you're a hypocrite. You won't own the fact that you have evil in your own heart. You're just too busy seeing everybody else's problems. You're too busy judging and criticizing everybody else around you. And just like Owen, you sort of wander off on your own. And, and, and all the while, you're missing out. The Pharisees missed out that Jesus was in their midst. Revival was happening. And they never even experienced it because they were too critical of everybody else. They would not admit, they would not admit the evil in their own heart. Guys, you're never going to get revival in Jesus until it starts in you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've just been waffling. Man, you've been coming to this church and you can't figure it out and good because I can't either. But all you know is the way I was raised and the way I was thinking and, and the way that I've always heard the gospel, all I know is that God is moving and is biblical and is powerful. And all I want to know, I am tired of dead church. I'm tired of dead religion. I'm tired of the dead ways that I was raised in. I want to hear from Jesus. And if this is where God's speaking at, I want to become a part of the movement of God. Who are you in this story? As we sing a verse of invitation, folks are already coming. Would you come and let's let Jesus be our solution? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.